0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hey, good morning,
2: everybody. Welcome back to Good Morning New York. It is my pleasure to be here with all of you. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios here in Times Square. As usual, I want to remind everybody that this show is very interactive, so please call in With your questions and our number is 1-866-472-5788 or you can email me at vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com or you can tweet me at Vince Rocco. You can also find me on Facebook. The Washington Post published an article last year titled 8 in 10 Manhattan Home Sales Are All Cash, a statement that was and still is an overstatement. The actual figure was 45%. The data is worth looking at. Over the past year, 58% of condo sales were done with cash compared with 40% of co-op sales. The condos purchased with cash skewed higher than co-ops because new development sales and overall higher prices. It's been my experience that the probability of using cash to acquire property tends to rise with prices. That is, lower-priced properties tend to be more dependent upon financing. In the 50 years since New York City's landmarks law was passed, over 1,300 individual landmarks and 109 historic districts have been designated by the Landmarks Preservation Commission, amassing an impressive array of protected properties and neighborhoods throughout the five boroughs. The landmarking process, however, does not guarantee a permanent safe harbor for buildings, and over the years, many buildings have been lost to decay. Demolition and legal maneuverings. Today, a surprising number of official New York City landmarks are abandoned, having been left to rot for decades and are in danger of becoming victims of demolition by neglect. Despite the efforts of several groups like the Landmarks Conservancy and Historic District Council, the decision of whether New York's abandoned landmarks are either restored or left fallow, is often determined by private investment and the inconsistency of an unrealistic economy's economic system and not by their historic value or support from government agencies. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on Wednesday urged Governor Andrew Cuomo and state lawmakers to strengthen his city's rent regulations and modify a real estate tax break to require more affordable housing, saying there is no excuse for inaction or on these issues rather, affecting millions of city residents. However, Governor Cuomo said he was doubtful that Mayor de Blasio's housing plans would be approved in Albany, and the fight continues. So the buyer of the sky-high $95 million penthouse at 432 Park Avenue is in fact a Middle Eastern billionaire, this according to the Real Deal. It looks like a Saudi Arabian retail magnet. The six-bedroom, seven-bathroom pad in McAlo property and CIM Group's trophy building entered contract in 2013 for north of $11,500 per square foot, but the buyer was not uh, revealed at that time. This place is an 8,200-square-foot, full-floor penthouse in the loftiest residential perch in the city. The apartment features a wood-burning fireplace, heated bathroom floors, and, of course, the building's signature 10-foot-by-10-foot windows. At 1396 feet tall, 432 Park Avenue boasts Manhattan's tallest rooftop. And finally, talking about royalty, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson's former fairy tale California ranch, Neverland, is about to come on the market for a jaw-dropping $100 million. Wow. The 2,700-acre estate has a massive main house with six bedrooms and 21 other structures and two guest houses. There is also a swimming pool, two lakes. A basketball court and a 50 seat movie theater. Jackson snagged the ranch for just 19.5 million in 1987. The seller of the property is the investment firm Colony Capital, which bought out the late entertainer's 23 million dollar mortgage on Neverland in 2008 when the singer was facing foreclosure on the property. Isn't that something? Wow, we and a partridge oh. in a pear tree. You got that right. <laughs> anyway. Oh my
3: God! Can we please have a show on the landmark?
2: Yes, absolutely. That
3: is just, as you know, well, no, I know you agree. Fascinating to us. It's it's and beyond fascinating. our heart,
2: yeah, and beyond our heart. And we talked a little bit about that last week with uh, regard to um, certain properties. And I happen to currently be involved in a situation where we're selling a townhouse to a buyer who needs to renovate, and landmarks is is all over it. Anyway, continuing our theme of um, top. <clears throat> brokers here in New York City. My guest today is Roberto Cabrera with over 17 or 18 years of experience. Roberto has earned the confidence of countless clients who have entrusted him with their various uh real estate needs. As a result, he has built a thriving business on referrals and repeat clients, each of whom credit his straightforward and honest approach. To their continued, for their continued loyalty. He has the respect of his industry colleagues and continues to educate himself by getting out there and seeing every property he can, and I do remember you doing that. Roberto was born in Richmond, Virginia, and grew up in Maryland after graduating with a degree in mathematical economics. That I didn't know. Uh, he spent five years in Washington working as a financial consultant. He also studied at the National Conserva- uh, Conservatory of Dramatic Arts, I did know, and wow. is a former actor who was once... Uh, moonlighted rather as a stand-up comedian many years ago he authored Apple Pie the real ingredients for buying and selling your slice good morning Roberto
4: good morning thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it it's
2: a pleasure and you know what I didn't say in the intro <clears throat> was I met Robert Roberto fourteen fifteen years ago when we first worked at Halstead Properties so we've known each other for a very long time and I did read Apple Pie we're going to talk about that a little later on. But I just mentioned your background, so give us a little progression of how you came to decide on a career in real estate after you've had a few other things
4: uh, in the background. Well, it's not overwhelmingly glamorous. I mean I did work <laughs> as a financial consultant in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and then it, I became very bored of that, and um, I just wanted to do something else. So I wanted to act. So I went to an acting school, the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts, which is in Georgetown, and when I finished, I immediately – packed my bags. I came to New York. And I got here and I did a bunch of commercials and I did some soap things and things like that. And then, then I found myself in a place where I really wasn't booking that many things and I was really down and depressed. And the birth of my real estate career actually happened in the dressing room and all my children because I was sharing a dressing room with Norm Lewis. I don't know if you know him. He's on Broadway a lot. He's a great guy. And he saw me just sitting there just – he was like, you have got to do something. He's like, you know what you should do? You should get your real estate license. I got mine last year. I made like $50,000. I didn't do anything. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, really? back in the late 90s, I was like, $50,000? At least I don't have to wait tables. Exactly. You know, so, um and it's a lot different than that. It's not like you have to do nothing, but he had like a friend's apartment who he sold and he made some money. And so I immediately went out, I got my license and I started and I was like, look, let me rent a couple of apartments so that I don't have to wait tables, literally. And, and slowly... Uh, I wasn't I wasn't booking as much stuff acting wise, and I needed to take this a little more seriously. But the but it was also it became very interesting. You know, you got to, you, you get to go into people's homes, you get to interact with people, and it start, I started thinking, well, I can actually do something that means something to somebody. <laughs> you know, yeah. And then um, and I just uh, I just and then I met who is now my wife, and I was like, you know what, I need to build a life. And I need to take this very seriously. And that's how it really started, started in all my children.
2: <laughs> wow, good story. <laughs> that's a very good story because I kind of dabbled a little bit in that stuff in, in the past too. But this is way before my real estate career. Many New York um, sales agents have come to the business of real estate from a wide range of other professions. So why do, you, why do you think that is? Why do you think people migrate to real estate? I mean I did. I came from a corporate background. I was a school teacher before that. And what I say to my, you know, a lot of the younger reps in my organization these days is, you know, it never was a first time career. It was always, you know, a second time exactly. career. You always came from doing other things. We were a little older. We had a lot more experience. A, a, a different type of book of business. Today, it seems like
4: people are coming right out of school yep. and wanting to become real estate agents. Yep. Why do you think that is? Well, mm. I know when I, when I was an actor and I was began doing this, I was like, I thought to myself, I was, and I was a little from a bitter place. I was like, I can't believe I'm not working. Uh, and I said, this is the dead end of every industry. Everybody's just, you know, they're a lawyer first, they're on Wall Street first, and they come here. But the reality mm. is, is that people are consciously making that change because I think that in all of these places, um, you're at a law firm and all of a sudden you don't make partner or you're working on wall street and all of a sudden you don't get managing director right. or you're mm-hmm. in media and you don't get that next promotion. And the fact is you there's a bit of a ceiling there and you're only going to go, but so far. And the fact is, if you're a self-starter and you really feel motivated and you're confident in your abilities and you do not want a ceiling, the sky's the, really the limit. You get out of this, what you put into it, mm-hmm. you really, really do. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in that.
2: We talked about this before we went on the air. That you know, you work hard, you you make good money, or you make successful business. If you don't, you put in fifty percent of it of your time. That's all you're going to get is fifty percent back. Yeah. You left Halstead Property where I met you, as I said at the top of the show, and are now with Town Residential Downtown. What inspired you to make this move? There are a lot of you know uh, agents in this town through the years that have started in one place and ended up in another place, or continued to move uh, within the uh, the industry. What inspired you to make a move after many years in one place where
4: you were very successful? Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed Halstead. It was fantastic. I was there for 14 and a half years. And, it was, and I'm not someone to move around a lot like, some, like you just mentioned. You, you, know, you have colleagues that they're here. They're there. You don't know where they are. You don't even know where to find them in some cases because they've moved so much. And I'm not <clears> one to move a lot. But I had found myself where I lived about five blocks away from where I worked. And if I happened to have a slow week – It was almost like indentured servitude because I hadn't left the neighborhood and I needed to do something for personal growth and I was just starting to stagnate. Where I am right now, I'm at town residential. I'm very, very happy. But had I been at town for say 14 years, I'd probably be ready for that just to shake it up and move and and grow and do something different, just changing my path to work. I get out at Union Square. I walk across – I my life opened it would like blossomed so it was and a big I, thing
2: for me I did the same thing shortly after you did and it was for the same reasons you know lived in the neighborhood worked in the neighborhood for many years and I just thought you know what I need to expand a little bit and do a few other things well, let me ask you about downtown because you know those of us who live in New York and love New York there is a certain divide between east and west and between uptown and downtown <laughs> Oh yeah there's <laughs> a total divide sure. so what for you is 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 great about downtown? I mean I happen to love – I live uptown. I live on the Upper and West Side. Just like you. As you do. Mm-hmm. But I do everything else downtown. So what is it about the downtown neighborhood for our listening audience by the way who is global out there? What is it about downtown in Manhattan that is so inspiring or, or
4: brings you to want to be there like – all the time, every corner you turn, there's something that is inspiring, or uh, you know, it's a piece of art. It's so you know, I, I was on Union Square. I can't when I come out in Union Square. Love Union Square. You, life That's is right. just functioning. Yeah. And one day I came out and there was an older woman. She must have been in her 60s, and she had boxing gloves on, and she had put out. <laughs> she had, she had, she had, but she had designed this little ring, outlined this ring, and there was. Uh-huh. She was there with her coach, who was probably mid 30s, and they were just sparring and sweating, and they were just sparring. And they had a little cup out, and I just watched for a long time. It's just like, this is amazing. You know, and just beyond that, you're here and you're hearing it to someone else's music just beyond that.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: And this, this is, <laughs> this, this is New York City, but downtown, you will find things like that. It's what I call life being lived on the streets of New York. So Dad, back to business. You recently were named as one of the top residential agents of the of the week by the real deal for selling a twelve
4: and a half million dollar apartment on the Upper West Side. Tell us about that. Which I did with one of your cohorts, Rachel Schuller. She right. was she brought the buyer. That's um, right. It was uh, it was a great experience. You know the fact is that we came out of we came out of the winter, which was very, very difficult, and everybody—it was everybody—had had cabin fever essentially. And, and townhouses are a very unique product that need to be handled in a certain different in a certain way. And we had a challenge whereby it had been listed pro- by a, a, a very recognized broker prior for months and months and months last year. So we had the challenge of bringing it back to market and. S- convincing all of the brokers and everybody to come back. It's different oh. now. Come back and look at it. And our seller was very, very astute. He invested in some ex- beautiful staging and we priced it right where it should be priced. And we got tremendous interest right from the start. And we really – we in order to do that, we it was old school. I've, me, I've met a lot of people in eight, 17, 18 years and – I went old school. I picked up the phone and I called everybody. I called everybody I could. I didn't get a hold of you. I remember I left you a message. <laughs> you did leave me a message. Yes, yeah. you did. And I said, "Look, we're bringing this thing back to market. It's extraordinary yeah. and I felt that we needed to lead the pack and we did everything possible and we just, you know, and there's some fortune involved in that. We, you know, we came across the right person at the right time, but I think that when you're really out there working hard, that happens. I love the old school piece. Well, I was just going to say, in the
2: in, in the in the whole scheme of things, when you're selling that kind of a property, the old school approach really does work because you know the old school, as I said, you know the old time you know brokers who've been around for a while have contacts with people who you know some of the other people, the other agents in town may not. All right, listen, we have to take a break, but we will be back. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away.
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at com. That's vrocco at com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We're
2: back with Roberto Cabrera from Town Residential, a very successful real estate agent. Here in New York City for many years. So with that said, you are a successful agent. What do you attribute your success to? And tell us a little bit about your day. There are so many agents running around Uh, town. Right.
4: Uh, As we were talking before, each day does not replicate the next. It's, I think you have to be extremely nimble with your schedule, with what you have the capacity to do. And I have so many things going on at one time. You're, you know, you're waiting for a phone call at one point and you get it with regards to a completely different issue that you were dealing with in the morning, but you're waiting for that. It's just a con, just like Mm -hmm. most things. But, um, I think I get up very early in the morning. My wife, uh, works in international markets. So she is either, out of the house, at the office, or on the phone by 6 o'clock. So right. we're up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock oh, cool. every morning. Oh, I do that too. It's great. It's and I get so life, much man. done and it's before my daughter wakes up. So I get a host of things done before that craziness starts. The best quiet time ever is that time of the morning or even later
2: at night, you know, past 11 o'clock yeah. if you have the stamina to do yeah. a couple of hours of Absolutely. focused stuff. Can I
3: sneak a quick, yeah, quest- a quick question in? So
2: what do you do for body, mind,
3: work?
4: Well, in terms uh, of because I imagine you do it at four thirty in the morning. I try to work out as much as I can, which is slowing down because You're the days go crazy. Yeah, but I, I, and I've slowed that down too. I'm more of this elliptical type of thing. But I have yeah. started to meditate, which uh, yeah. results to be determined. I teach, <laughs> so, I teach that, but um, yeah. so we should talk. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I find it. I mean, I've really just begun, but I found that it is uh, it's grounded me a bit. But it helps with my my my. my Credo towards dealing with my clients is that I just, I tell people as it is. I think people want to hear exactly what it is and I want to manage their expectations and I want them to have the exact same information that I have because I'm not going to think of everything. This is a collaborative effort. They're going to come yeah. up with an idea on a negotiation that I hadn't thought about and then we collaborate and we work together. Transparency you is also. key and you need yeah. to
2: be able to, you know, be real and honest and upfront with your, with your clients. I agree with that. So in your daily activities as a real estate agent, you you seem to understand the importance of housing to families as they start their search. So how important is it for a real estate agent to really understand what their clients are looking for? You know, a lot of times people say, "Oh, I have a a living and breathing client and I'm going to just run around and take them and show them so many different places." You seem to get really into, you know, the importance of
4: what it is they need as a family. How do you do that? I it's happened as a result of me having my daughter and my wife, and us creating a home and a life in this city, which is so complicated and uh-huh. so difficult and so challenging mm-hmm. and so competitive. And I think that we have, in our profession, we have a job that is on an intimate level with clients, by far than any other profession there is. People have accountants that know their their finances inside and out. They have their psychiatrists. They have whatever they have. But we walk around with people, and we. Dealing with, how often have you been in an apartment and the husband and wife begin to argue? And then the, the wife sends you emails that you're not supposed to share with the husband and, the, and back and forth and you have to manage that. Yeah. And, and you get involved in a certain way that is so intimate yep. and you become – you almost become family members with these people. All of my clients, 95 percent of my clients are friends of mine because of the uh, experience that we had. And they, you know, and they always come back to me. They randomly ask me questions, send me an email. Oh, my friend, my daughter, this needs an apartment, whatever it is. And if I can't manage it, I want to be able to at least help them Absolutely. with that. And it's, yeah. it's a life. It's, it's someone's life. And, and, I, and I listen. I, li- I ask questions and I just shut
2: up. Well, that's what I was going to say. It talk, takes talk, a talk. lot of great listening skills to kind of really understand what your client is about and what they want or what they really need. And sometimes you know by listening well you're able to advise them on stuff that they may not have thought about you know they might say I want to live here or I like this but in in the end it's completely different you actually know yeah. that their needs will be met <clears throat> exactly. somewhere else sometimes I mean, they don't
4: know what they need yeah they exactly don't know what like they want. most
2: often they don't and that's why I think experienced agents like us you know who've been doing this for a while really can get to the crux of what it is they want and and need and get it done fairly successfully. What are your thoughts on social media? I mean, today all we hear, you know, for the past X amount of years, is social media, and a lot of the the, the big named agents in this town tend to use it, you know, uh, religiously. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Are you a social media person? Do you put a lot of stock
4: into that? I use it to be of mind with my sphere of influence just that when something comes up that it's real estate oriented, they know that they can come to me and I'm going to take care of them better than anybody else and they trust me more than anybody else. But. I think a lot of it is a bit of a vanity project for some people that I've got so many followers. I've got this and that. And there are people that um, – and I use it for different purposes. I mean honestly, it's fun in some ways. Instagram to me is – it's fun. It's great to look at photographs and take photographs and things like that. To me, um, LinkedIn – is my perspective on it? I don't use it a lot, but to me, it's a bunch of resumes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Twitter. It, I use Twitter to gather information when I need something. I need information. I need articles on something that I need to learn more about. But I do post certain things like that. Um, when it comes to Facebook, I think Facebook is a much more personal thing. Like I don't, I I know people that co- every every open house, every new exclusive they post it. Uh, it's a rare occasion that I'm posting something that has to do with my work on there. It's more about me being just of mine and being interactive and being a part of these people's lives. And that's really the way I use it.
2: I find on LinkedIn, there's a lot of very good industry-related uh, uh, articles and information that I can get and read and research, whether it's for the radio show or for my clients or just for my own business. So I tend to agree with you. It's a lot of resumes, but it's also, in some cases, there are a lot of good um, <clears throat> good uh, research uh, articles to to look at. So what, what then do you determine is, is- – the one thing that inspires you every day to be the best you can be. I mean, obviously, again, very successful, uh, family, uh, career person. But what is that one thing that that inspires you to be the best that you can be every day?
4: It's my wife and my daughter. I, I wake, I, I, I just, that. I wake up with them, and they are, you know, they're everything. And I have a I son. Am, I'm with you. I, I, I'm just, I feel very lucky because I'm. Those two people are, they. They're amazing people, and I also I have great parents, and I have a good great brother, and you know, and I have a very 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 small intimate group of friends that is, and they're very small, that are they're everything, and that I need to be the best. You know, we we used to have I, in high school, I used to have a doctor friend. We said we travel with a doctor. I mean, I need to provide my service to my people. It's what I call
2: having a healthy surround, <laughs> okay? It's a healthy surround. So you have people around you that are good for you, that are healthy for you, uh, that inspire you to get up every day and be as good as you can be out there in the world. How old is your daughter again now? She's, uh, she's going to be four in August. Oh, wow. my God. Oh, my God. She's a piece of work. Unbelievable. <laughs> good. You would want
3: that.
4: Yeah, she's awesome.
2: And so tell us about, you know, many years ago, I said at the top of the show, you wrote this um, book, Apple Pie. What what made you do that? And you did that early on in your real estate career. So when you look back on that book today, what are your thoughts?
4: Uh, my thoughts are it was it was uh, it it came out of the pro- you know when I was getting my licensing for it, the thing that was most said was this is true everywhere in the country except for in New York, and then it was this is true everywhere in New York except for in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and because seventy percent of our residential property is re- rentals, the next thirty percent is. Uh, Co-ops, condos, and townhouses. Co-ops make up 65% of it. What I found was 95% of everybody didn't know how the deal worked, that you, some buildings require that you put 33% down. But not mm-hmm. only that, they want to know that you have $450,000 in assets after you close. Mm-hmm. They want – you know. there's so many different – no one knew the deal. And I said, no one knows this. And I kept having the same conversation over and over. And I said, you know what? No one I want to give somebody that arm around the shoulder conversation of, this is how it works. This is what you need to do. This is how much you need to have. If you need to borrow money from your parents, you need to work that out now. If you need to, you know, whatever, you need to put everything into place. And I just wanted to say, these, this is a roadmap of how to do it. This is what happens for your buyer and for the seller. You need to prepare your apartment. You need to declutter. You need, if your apartment smells funny, ask friends who you know, come, have some coming over. You don't smell it anymore, but your your apartment I, stinks.
2: Absolutely, you know? absolutely.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: I remember reading this book when I was brand new in in the business of real estate. I had been in in you know jobs for for many years, but I read this when when it first came out, and I thought mm, okay. And there were I remember thinking then that I hadn't heard about these things, decluttering and staging, and what does it all this mean and 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 you know whatever. But uh, it meant a lot to me as a new agent. So I was just curious to see how you see things you know fourteen or fifteen years later back. You know, going back to the the early days of you know
4: your career, and then how things have changed over the years. I think access to information, staging, Completely. everything has like anything. It's just developed. Everything's much more sh- sharp and polished. and And mm-hmm. the fact is, a resale property cannot compare to a new construction. I mean you, everybody – whether someone is – when the people are looking for an apartment, they're looking at everything and they're going to see new construction even mm-hmm. if they're not interested in it. And it's like going into a new car showroom where mm-hmm. once the client walks out, someone <clears throat> walks by with a handkerchief and they polish the car back off, takes the fingerprints off. Mm-hmm. It needs to like be like ding. And I tell that to all of my resellers. You're competing with that. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, you know I want to say one really quick thing that, uh, that's interesting.
3: Um, you were talking about scent. A place needs to smell good. And do you know that it's actually a scientific fact that the most direct route to the brain is through our nose? Interesting. Isn't that wild? <laughs> so when you smell things, it's more powerful than seeing or hearing. It's the nose. It's brain recognition, memory recognition. too. Yeah. So you smell certain you're- things like
4: that smells oh like my first my grade classroom. It, t- it can take you back <laughs> to oh my when God, you're three years true? old. Yeah. yeah.
3: Anyway, it's interesting.
2: Your place needs to smell so good. Yeah. So, what is your opinion on the current marketplace today? I mean, we've gone through many iterations of ups and downs and whatever else. Where, where do you think we are today, uh, including with foreign buyers? Are they
4: still out there? Are they coming back? Did they leave? I think they're there, but I think the pro—I I think the Uber luxury market, the eight to ten and up towards twenty million is going. There's so much, so much inventory flooding in that market that I. I honestly feel that that has to. It's going to moderate. It may not stop going up, but it's going to moderate. But the core New Yorker who is the one bedroom buyer from five hundred to six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, the two bedroom from eight hundred to two million, the three bedroom from you know one eight to three and a half. There's no inventory, and mm-hmm. the supply and demand. And it that's is the just, forgotten buyer in this town, also. By and the way, that's the bulk of everybody. Yes. that is. It's a palpable. Situation. We
2: have a couple of minutes left, but let me ask you your opinion on that because I, you know, I go back and forth with my thoughts. But why do you think we still have this limited inventory situation when clearly there's plenty of money out there for people to buy things? Why do you think we're still so limited on the inventory side?
4: There's nowhere to, there's nowhere to build. And people can't move. That's the thing. A mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, they can afford to buy – they're in a $1.8 million apartment. They can't afford to – they can afford to buy the 3.5. But can they get it? They mm-hmm. can't because the person who's out there who's paying all cash for 3.5, they can't compete. And they have to, they have to actually sell theirs in order to buy. So yeah. that's a – it becomes a locked-up situation. And they're like, do we move to the suburbs or do we just stay? Or do we try and buy the apartment next door? Because that's your best bet. And that has happened. So, what's next for Roberto?
2: I mean, Radio in in show? the whole scheme.
5: <laughs> <laughs> in the whole scheme. Well, now of he things. likes it. <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> <laughs> now he likes yeah. it. It didn't take You've a- done so many things. <laughs> so, I'm, is it real estate? Do you stay in the business? I mean, I'm what's open next? To, I really, I'm, I'm open to every single possibility that's out there, but it's all to be determined. We'll see.
2: Well, listen, it's always a pleasure to see you. Um, continued you. success to you. Good luck. Come Thank back you. and see us again. Thank you so much and for And we are going to go to break. Oh, to both so of you. Thank you so that. much. You. We're going to break and we'll be back right after these messages with our esteemed panel. Don't go away.
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show.
2: All right, everybody, we are back with our panel. Perul Brombat, now Lundgren. Ivy Ray and Deborah Hoffman. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. Nice to see you all. We've got to be chiver when it's like this today. It's been gloomy in New York City, so. Well, you know, I have an interesting comment on this. I was telling somebody, I don't think I can hear myself. Is this mic working? I, um, I hope so, Vince. <laughs> You're the host. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. You okay, he's telling, me, he's telling me we're working. Okay. Okay. I like rain. I've always liked rain. and um, moved to Seattle. No, 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 no. I don't mean like an everyday kind of thing, but it it's it, it refreshes everything, cleans everything. It's a change. It Listen, I it's love- so
3: calming and all the positive ions. I mean, it's actually a
2: really cool thing. It's a cool thing. I oh, mean, d- don't I get like me
3: wrong. It I like
6: when it's like certain parts of the world where it rains for like an hour and then it's sunny again. That-
2: Costa Rica. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Correct. That's what uh, I
6: prefer. Not three days of gloominess.
2: No, I, I agree. I mean, one day here, one day there works. But, you know, it's several days of gloominess. But it refreshes everything, although I don't like what it does to my Just- windows in my house. But anyway.
3: Right. I was, I or was- jet's feet.
2: <laughs> at speed exactly
7: I was walking around with the buyer on Sunday, and I was on west seventy second street and it was i don 't know if anybody was out uh, on on Sunday, but it was a hot day, yes. Yes, it was very. extremely humid, and I you know it called it. for showers later in the day, but I was literally walking out of uh, the last listing appointment that we had, and we were, we were we were leaving, and all of a sudden, I just got caught in a massive downpour out of nowhere, it was sunny. Uh-huh. It was literally sunny outside and it As, just started pouring with my buyers and I was – we yeah. ran to the nearest
2: awning and we're just trying to hail a cab. It was it was very interesting. The same thing happened to me. I was in Midtown West leaving an open house and I was standing on the corner waiting for a cab to go uptown to, to home And out of nowhere, it comes this burst of pouring down (laughs) rain and I thought, well, okay, at Mm -hmm. least I'm going home. Don't have to worry about what I look like for the rest (laughs) of the afternoon.
6: Uh Uh, But it's
2: better than doing it in January or February when I was out with a buyer and all of a sudden a snowstorm and an ice storm happened like (laughs) within a 20-minute viewing of an apartment. I came outside and it was a disaster area. So
5: See what we do for our clients. Well,
6: well not is- only that, but yes. our days turn into a crazy mess. As soon as we have umpteen showings, we're running from place to place, can't find cabs. Whenever it rains, for anybody who doesn't live in New York City, Forget it, it. it is crazy to try to get to point from point A to point B. Awful. Um traffic all of a sudden seems to go to a standstill. So it's like the city can't handle like a drop of water. You know, it's amazing. Well the city
5: could, but that's when all the cabs disappear. It's like Murphy's yeah, Law. It's hard with cabs. And for people who live outside, Well, I think everybody in jumps places, into cabs. They do, that's why. Yeah. And for people who live outside of the city, most real estate <laughs> brokers will take you around in their car and they've yeah. got everything packed up there, so their umbrellas easy. and things. Yeah. We don't have that here yeah. because you can't park everywhere. And as someone who drives in the city every day, I have to listen to the weather the night before Absolutely. and plan my entire day. And I feel sometimes like I'm carrying a suitcase if we're going to have multiple different kinds of weather to be prepared with my clients. Yeah. As I'm sure you do too.
2: Yeah. And, you know, with my dog, you know, it's like, are oh, we yeah. going out this morning? We're we not going out this morning. She doesn't like rain. She's a little prima <laughs> donna. So the, the, the water hits her and she's kind of like, okay. I whatever.
3: wonder how that happens. I
2: can't even imagine.
3: la, <laughs> la. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince is over here says, with this photograph. Uh, all right. Of so of I want the babe? B-
2: before <laughs> – Oh, well, Come on now you were certainly not a Facebook person, so before we get into real estate, I just wanted to make mention of the are Vanity here, Fair.: I, Yeah.: The Vanity Fair cover. It's, it's like I everyone.: Earth, Call right? me Caitlin. Caitlin Jenner I.E. Bruce Jenner, is now a lady, a man, a woman. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I was stunned. <laughs> well, you know what? I was a little surprised by uh, yesterday, you know, the announcement yesterday. I thought it was not going to wait until July, but I just wanted to ask everybody's um, mm-hmm. opinion on this. I was so proud of Bruce yesterday when I saw this because everybody has to live their true self and everybody needs to be who they are. And he's been talking about this for a long time and it's been planned for a long time. And I saw a wonderful interview with Diane Sawyer uh about a month ago and when i saw the cover of vanity fair on social media yesterday it almost brought a tear to my eye and i just wanted to make mention of it because i think i'm proud of him her and i think it's a good thing and i just wanted to know what everybody thought about that she's
5: gorgeous beyond it's i'm very proud of her but i want her makeup artists and i want her camera angles
2: it's unbelievable a little photoshop in there
5: well i'm very proud of her and i'm
2: She's got the world's best photographer taking these pictures. And I have to say
6: that, you know, I'm one of the people who, you know, I'm not a big like reality TV person. And when I see people like Kardashians sort of reach these heights of celebrity for not really any specific – Reason, Reason per se. Um, I have to admit that, like, as much as you know, it's like I don't have a major judgment with it, that I I realize that I've always had sort of an underlying judgment about, like, oh, whatever. And yet, you know, that stage is sort of afforded now Bruce slash right. Caitlyn Jenner to be, to give such a voice to transgen- transgendered people. And I think that that is something beautiful that's sort of come out mm-hmm. of that whole entire Kardashian story. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just glad that, like, there's now a, a voice and also somebody who's such a high profile person standing up for yep. you know for, mm-hmm. for people who are in the same boat. And aside from the Kardashian
2: people because I'm not a big fan of, of that, that whole thing but mm-hmm. or, or reality as you say TV yeah. but I've always been a fan of Bruce Jenner and always yeah. been a supporter That's of his athletic uh, prowess yep. and, and his That's fantastic gold medal. That's, That's the, the real story. story. Yeah. That's the real story. I've admired yeah. him yeah. from a kid watching Me him too. be yeah. such a winner so you know whatever people choose to do in their life I'm not one to judge. But I think if this is where his path has taken him, he is now a her. Godspeed. I am and with you all along. I think this, sure is, this
5: is showing the winner mentality that she has always had. Absolutely, And that's what I think the real story is. And I just Do think you it's remember? breaking
6: barriers. It's just breaking wow. barriers. I mean an Olympic athlete, right? I mean if you, think of, yeah, athlete, yeah, exactly. if you think of – Yeah, exactly. If you think of like the, the, the version of the epitome of the masculine, you know, it – if you will, for for him to come out and be brave enough and to now be a her is just – I just think it's a big deal.
3: This is a good show. Not today's. Today's is lovely. But what an incredible conversation. And there are some of the top CEOs. There was a top CEO in the world. Do you guys remember the article? I'll talk fast because I know you don't want the whole show to be on this but I can't remember her name right now, but she used to be a man and she's the top female CEO in the world. Wonderful. And she came out. I mean, there's so yeah, you're many right. that I'm we trying don't to remember know about. Right. That was an awesome article. Mm-hmm. So whether they decide, whether anyone decides to completely transform their sex or whatever it is that they do, I'm just thrilled for everyone that finds the path to being happy. And she is gorgeous.
2: Isn't that fun? That that she is. Okay. So now let's move on to our real estate topic. So co-op boards can be notoriously fussy. Some of them have even been known to interview potential buyer's dogs, but usually buyers can expect their kids to be off limits in the interview process. Now here, this is why I'm bringing up, you know, the Facebook Mm -hmm. thing, but not so uh, recently in a Tudor City co-op, kids are a big part of New York living and boards have been known to check out their Facebook pages, on them and to see about their character. So now, you know, we can get into all kinds of gray areas with this, but if boards are now looking at children of buyers and checking them out on Facebook and making determinations, well, this kid seems a little rowdy or this kid seems like somebody that we don't want in our building, therefore we're going to turn the whole family down. I mean, why? I mean, I'm finding this disturbing. So yeah. why Why do we need to
5: be concerned about this? Well, I think that, We have to think about what co-op boards are all about to begin with. Many of them have crazy rules, but they don't come out of nowhere. They will have a crazy rule if something happened in the building. There's one building I work an awful lot in. They used to allow parents buying for children and the parents buying for children, meaning the children are in their 20s or 30s and employed. Mm -hmm. They stopped that when they had – A child living there, the parents bought the apartment, who did have wild parties all the time and one of the parties set the hallway on fire. Now, they changed the rule in this building to parents have to buy with children to show the child has to have some responsibility. Now, once – We sometimes have to clarify. I understand them looking at Facebook pages. Honestly, if I get a client out of nowhere, I Google them. Mm -hmm. I look for a Facebook page Mm -hmm. because I have had people in my previous company um, who were actually criminals, who actually were con men trying Mm -hmm. to come in and rob apartments. And we Mm -hmm. do have to vet people and I'm sure we all do. Um, But coming back to the children, sometimes – a managing agent who's the first line of defense when you turn in a board package doesn't understand who the child is. I once had a managing agent say, well, we need recommendation letters for the child. And I said, the child is eight months old. Do you want a nanny recommendation letter? Do you-? And they said, excuse us. No, we don't. They didn't look at it carefully enough. But that board had had problems with um older teenage children – when the parents weren't home, if the parents had very high profile jobs, so this is a very long answer.
2: Yeah, but. no, I, and I and I understand it all, but I, I, I guess mm-hmm. I just can't seem to get over the fact that it's taking it's There's taking approvals to another level and it's now become really very invasive. I, I, yeah, I agree it's an with invasion
6: that. of privacy yeah. <clears throat> and uh, at the end of the day, so much judgment and fear driving the process it seems and control and I just don't know if those are the right drivers, period.
3: Yeah, I want to say also I think, again, you're bringing up all these topics that could be entire shows today. It's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. But I do agree with you. I think there's a line. And I think that, you know, how I personally feel about children on Facebook is not for this show. Um, but it's a place of, for many of them, a first time platform for expression. And for, <laughs> children to be judged in a heartbeat and for families to be denied homes. I just really think, I, I find it invasive. I find it a boundary crossing. What I
6: actually think of this is, and though, is... And welcome
3: to life. <laughs> you know, you can't control mm-hmm. human beings, yeah. and I, you know...
6: But you know what I do think this is? It's, it's like taking a magnifying glass to what I think has already been a, a problem of invasion <laughs> of privacy when it comes to co-op boards. I feel that it's already been out of control, and now I think this just shows you yeah. a bigger punch. You know, it, it sort of illuminates the problem that much deep, more deeply with social media um, in the mix. So
7: I don't think it should stop only at Facebook, right? You know, right. I, I, had, I had a listing – You know, for example, I was the listing broker and it was a co-op and you know, I Googled the, the buyer who submitted an offer to me and you know, she had an above ask offer and it was great and I Googled her and um, I, I looked and she had her own blog. She apparently divorced her husband and had a hate blog about her husband and she went and there was like pages of rants. On this blog, and I, you know, had to disclose that to the seller, and she's like that. The seller was like, "That's going to be a problem with the board. We can't go with that offer." You know, mm-hmm. just you know, kind of nipping it in, in the bud before it gets to the board. If so it's not just Facebook; it's all of your social media. Google yourself, right. and if we think yes. about yes. social media, yes. you know?
5: social it's media really Google. It's not even yeah. want out the social media. There. It's what teenagers want out there. It's what this woman wanted out there. We could censor ourselves, but yeah. if somebody wants to rant, it's what they want out there. Right. So I think that the unfairness regarding
3: children is that people tend to make a judgment on a singular moment in time. Sure. If I write a tune that's about like something kooky, the majority of my music, ninety-five percent of it is not that. And that moment in time is my right and my self expression. Kids, the yeah. no, kids are trying I themselves out. No, kids are trying themselves on yes. like clothes yeah. every day. And you know, it's they haven't been taught and they should you put be this space. out, it'll be yeah. there forever. But it's just unfair with children. Unless you see have a pattern. And I agree. she granted yeah. for months. And it's hate mail.
2: This is who she is, who she
3: wants to reveal. Yeah. Right. But yeah. with children, well, that, it's unfair. That, that,
2: that's the point I wanted to make before we go to break. It's mm-hmm. kind of like it's, – it's sort of unfair to children because children need to be children. Children yeah. need Try to grow up just yeah. like they do in the suburbs <laughs> in a house. I mean obviously delinquent kids need to be addressed.
4: Right. But, right. but
2: But co-ops are founded upon the whole family you know, concept of raise your kids in the family, raise your kids in the building. Right. And it, it's disturbing to me or disappointing actually to me to think that we want to take it to the next level and start you know interrogating – you know, what the child is doing. Yes, it's their form of expression on the internet. I think sometimes I need to tone lots of stuff down, including revealing pictures. that's That's teaching them. That's
3: another whole show. And that's teaching them.
2: That is. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think kids still need to be kids. I think, you know, if the parents, you know, do their parenting correctly, uh, there shouldn't be building issues. All right, we're going to go to break. We'll be back right after these messages. Don't go away.
1: visit blue realty group.com. that's b l u realty group.com stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco
2: All right, here we go, our final segment for the week. So New York City apartments aren't exactly swimming in storage space, but renting a place to stash your extras doesn't come cheap. And the idea of adding monthly cost to your already high rent may seem less than ideal. Good news, though, is that you can find options. How important is it when we're talking to buyers and even our sellers out there when they say an apartment may not have enough storage space what do we do with that? What do they do about that? Because we all know that living in New York City, you, you have to sacrifice lots of stuff, and most of that is space. How do we deal with the storage So, so
7: you know Manhattan Mini Storage is one, of the, is one of the big ones. But I think there's this new – and I love how technology is kind of bringing you – because know, if you had to go to Manhattan Mini Storage, you'd have to pack up your stuff, yeah. get a zip uh-huh. car, get in a cab, get an Uber, go to Manhattan Mini Storage, wait there. There's this new company. It's called MakeSpace. Aren't
3: they incredible? Yeah. I just met them. It's
7: like the Dropbox of, I guess, uh, organizing your stuff. And basically all you do is you call them up. You have a box. That, or If it doesn't fit in a you, box, you just organize yeah. it. They come. They pack they it. They pack it in their plastic. They pack it in their and plastic. They and they away. bring it back they when you it. They bring it back yeah. immediately back yeah. to the place. And then they give you a visual checklist of everything on your online portal of everything that you have. So you're like, oh, I want my tennis shoes. And then you, you just click it, and then it comes right back to you. They,
3: it's incredible. It's, like,
7: cheap. I think it's, like, 25 bucks a month. I I'm just not, told I'm my son sure it about this. Exactly. He's got a
3: storage space, and he's going to make the shift. Yeah. Unbelievable. New York, so is, cool new
7: York is, New York is crazy with I mean, it, how it's revolutionizing things. With, like, we always talk about TaskRabbit <coughs> or, or, or Uber or MakeSpace. I mean, there's so many different yeah, It seems awesome. like every
2: time you turn around, something new is happening yeah, and it's, it's making I mean, it's, living they're here. They're just solving Makes small problems.
6: Yeah. But yep. on the other hand, on the other side of that story is I've sold $200,000 storage spaces, like little storage spaces in condos and buildings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, Seriously, that's the same price, give or take, of my parents' house in central Pennsylvania. You know, like a storage space that costs as much as a home elsewhere. I know. It's pretty insane.
2: And, yeah. we, and we reported a couple of months ago on this program, you know, where people were buying a garage for a million dollars. I yeah. mean, so, yeah. you know, everything yep. is relative, and unfortunately here in this town, exaggerated. not everything a garage, just a
6: simple parking spot. Space. True. <laughs> thank you. True. All
2: right, for yeah. years, the Upper East Side was perceived as one of Manhattan's least dynamic areas, home of the super rich, though, and reclus- reclusive near the park and party love and recent college grads who lived in the upper um, east 80s and 70s. But in the past, historically, west of Lexington was always the place to be west of Lexington. Uh, But now you'll find buyers realizing that east of 3rd or Lex are where the opportunities are or, more importantly, Mm -hmm. where the value is. Mm -hmm. And it's not just families who are taking a second look at the area. Obviously, downtown has been more of a scene for younger people, but the price points downtown have driven younger people uptown to what was Mm -hmm. less desired you know, what, uh, east of Third Avenue, east of Lexington Avenue, in the '70s and now in the '80s, where traditionally the college kids who came to town after um, uh, college to live, and that's where they were. What What do you think about that? I mean, I was a little
3: you know, the shocked. youth is or whomever the lower price point folks have also been priced out of Brooklyn, that's and the areas true. that well, they're doing so, they yeah. are looking up east because guess mm-hmm. what? You can buy there.
6: Yep, yeah, absolutely. In fact mm-hmm. I'm working on a transaction right now. Are you um, really? Yeah, yeah, in the fifties, like fifty seventh and first. And uh and that's exactly it. I mean, this is a young couple in the tech world, you know parents helping them purchase the place. And they're really considering buying in that area because they also see the uptick that'll happen once that Second Avenue subway is in as well. So it's good from an investment standpoint, but currently the prices are so much cheaper. What's surprising to me is that this group of people who was so driven to buy lofts and more cool spaces are now sort of making the concession to living in what I call the not so attractive buildings, the 50s, 60s, 70s builds. Um, But they're making that concession just to be owners.
5: Mm -hmm. What actually started all this was the economic downturn because my main selling area is the Upper East and Upper West Sides. And there were flocks of these young people moving to the Upper East Side, 1st Avenue, York Avenue, 2nd Avenue, who were just starting their families. They were real cool downtown people, but they could afford the Upper East Side. And the schools up there are among the highest rated in the city. And that's what they were looking at during the downturn. They didn't want to spend the money on private schools. Mm -hmm. And they saw right in their own backyard in the district. They had a choice of four excellent public schools. So that's another reason when – that's what I think started it. And now people are really looking. And they do have a plan. They do have, as we all do, we all have a fantasy of moving somewhere else. They would like to go back downtown. But right Mm -hmm. now we're starting our lives here and we'll see where the future takes Absolutely. It's it's, It's not a choice as much as it's a concession. Exactly.
2: Correct. And it's been interesting for me in in the 14 years that I'm in this business to watch how each of these neighborhoods have come in and out of fashion and style and and what's expensive, what's not expensive, downtown, uptown, east side, west side. It's really been very interesting. All right. So when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror – Do you look at yourself as a leader or as a follower? Okay, Leadership is the art of persuasion, the act of motivating people to do more than they ever thought possible in the pursuit of a greater good, whatever that good is. It has nothing to do with your title. It has nothing to do with authority or seniority. You're not a leader just because you have people reporting to you. That's a good one. And you don't suddenly become a leader once you reach a certain pay grade. A true leader influences others to be their best Leadership is about social influence, not positional power. If you're a slave to the status quo, lack vision, or don't motivate everyone around you to be their absolute best, then you are a follower. Why is leadership so critical in our business, especially of real estate?
6: First of all, I think good leaders are also good followers. So I think that first and foremost, um, one of the qualities of leadership is understanding when to in fact, I love this quote. I think it's by Sun Tzu that says that, you know, a good leader doesn't lead from the front or behind, leads from the middle. Um and I think that when you mm, find that's very that true. Yeah, and I think when you find yeah. that balance, that's what makes you a true leader where you sort of have a gauge in situations of where, you know, whether to pull back, whether to pull forward, and ultimately I think that it's when you set the example of sort of making the right conscious choices over and over again that people naturally choose to follow you, not out of fear, but out of respect.
3: Mm, I find leadership, wow. Maybe the first thing that will come to my mind is that when, uh, when somebody that people want to be around again and again, I think an earmark of that is that when they open their mouth, it rings true. Mm-hmm. And I will agree on something that Perul just said, that it's about consistency and patterning. So there's a behavior and a consistency in somebody that somebody wants to be around and listen to. Mm. And they tend to have the, uh, the capacity to be articulate with their dreams and their visions. Well, as their you their probably desires.
2: would also say, it, it's, it's more about the positive energy that you receive from somebody. I was going to say, and what they tend to do also, regardless of your
3: stature, your right. age, right. your your track record, is that leaders empower and they see people in their potential and you know, I mean they just I I agree could go with on. And on
2: no, with I that. know, but I I agree with what Perul said before because I think to be a good leader you you are also a good follower. And sometimes I believe that I am following somebody who I believe is inspiring me or is a, also a good mm-hmm. leader. You can't be the only leader in a group right. or the only leader in, you know, in the world. So there are times where you mm-hmm. need to be that follower, but but I always say just make sure you're following the right person. Yes. The right right. person mm-hmm. that's making and you also, feel and, good and that
6: you're not being a vessel but a channel. In the sense that Correct. you're not just mm-hmm. absorbing what somebody's giving you, but then you then take that and want to give it out to others. Which Vince you talk about that a lot and think you do it tremendously well, which is, you know, whatever you receive your first instinct and maybe it comes from the teaching career, maybe this is why you became a teacher to begin with, but you also always sort of want to share it out to others. And I think that it's that quality of sharing that really drives, I think, what are genuinely good leaders. I think that people tend to follow the wrong people who seem to be popular or Mm -hmm. seem to possess a certain sort of Je ne sais quoi, or power, uh, but that's short lived. You know, I think the true leaders are people who, that, that quality sort of comes from a deeper place within. You
2: know? Yeah, I, I it, it's,
6: it's inspirational quality for I, sure.
2: I, I agree, and I, I tend to, you know, subscribe to the Give back theory. So, absolutely. you know, if you're a good person and you want to be a good person to everybody and you want good people to be, you know, to back to you, just give back whatever mm-hmm. it is, a small little thing, a very big little thing, a movement. A knot. Cyclical. Yeah. In
6: fact, donating <laughs> part of your income. You know, I mean, Correct. every religion on the planet talks about tithing. You know, tithing yeah. I do that. And there is – I do too. I think that it is absolutely – people don't realize what a purification of your life lifestyle and what you gain it just comes with doing that. But it's a giving back, Whether it, whatever resource you get in life. You know, Absolutely. if you give away, give away 10 or 20 percent, what you receive from that is phenomenal. And you don't do it to receive. Mm-hmm. But the end result ends up being what you receive is priceless.
2: All right. I wanted to take a minute to let my listening audience know that Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco has been renewed for another year. Woo! <laughs> We start our new season on July 1st, and I'm thrilled to be able to continue with Voice America and all of you. It's been a tremendous experience for me, and I wish to thank everyone out there who listens each week to the show because without you, there wouldn't be a show. And so I thank you very much for that. Thanks to my dedicated panel my staff behind the scenes and to Blast Off Productions for getting me on the air each week and my good friend Brad in Phoenix. As you can imagine, live broadcasting comes with many challenges. Our new season will be great, so grab a front row seat and stay with us. That is our show for today. We are back next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. live, uh, 6 a.m. Pacific time. You can also catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining me and we will see you